Welcome to Crowdsourcing Revolution, a special series, part seven, uh, taken from inspiration from. Hey, Greg. Welcome to Crowdsourcing Revolution. This is our special series inspired by citizenshandbook.org. And today's episode, we are going to cover some actual actions that we can do as groups or as just one person. Because when it comes to revolution, you don't get it just by watching TV. Or, you know, talking about it on call-in. So, today I'm going to give us a chance to have people show up and uh, play a song for us, just for fun. This is an updated version of The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to sign up, log in, tweet, or share your current location. You will not be able to lose yourself, log out of social media, or write hateful comments on YouTube videos, because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be defined by your amount of Instagram followers or likes and your selfies. The revolution will not be brought to you by Apple or Samsung without commercial interruption. You will not see footage of unarmed black teens being gunned down by those who want to protect us because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by a whitewashed Grammy Award ceremony hosted by Chris Rock as a token gesture. The revolution will not give you a booty like Nicki Minaj or Beyonce. The revolution will not enhance your curves or make you resemble Kim Kardashian because the revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of black people standing next to inherently racist presidential candidates. Or will there be any support in building unnecessary barricades between countries? Nose jobs, Botox, tummy tucks. We will no longer desire to be made in Chelsea. And Essex will no longer be the only way. Because black people will be too preoccupied with finding a brighter day. Unarmed black teens. There will be no pictures of slain unarmed black teens. 
There will be no corrupt pictures in the media of the young black man at his daughter's grave after being gunned down by the police. There will be no footage of black men or women being escorted on presidential campaign rallies, being sucker punched by hillbillies or tear gassed by the police. Revolution will not be made compatible with the new iOS system, or overpriced, well downsized, aimed at narrow minds or the shallow confines of subdued and self-absorbed citizens. The theme song will not be written by Macklemore or sung by Kanye West and will not be performed at Madison Square Garden or Wembley Stadium. There will be no reruns, brothers, because the revolution will be live. the revolution will not be televised by featuring Juno, J-U-N-O. Welcome to part seven of crowdsourcing revolution series on the citizen's handbook. I'm going to read a couple of articles here that are linked in the show notes, rating candidates for public office how to use voting records, and all sorts of other activities, which is actually the name of an article. Let's start with Rating Candidates for Public Office by Charles Dobson. Since 1911, the Municipal League of Kings County, which is Seattle, has been assembling evaluation committees that rate candidates seeking public office. Seattle Papers publish the recommendations of these committees as a guide for voters who do not have the time to investigate candidates in depth. In many ways, an evaluation committee resembles a citizen's jury. The Municipal League begins by assembling an unbiased committee that will evaluate political candidates as if they were people applying for a job. The League tries to ensure the committee is a microcosm of the voting community with members representing a mix of age, sex, education, income, ethnic background, and political orientation. The League asks various organizations to participate then asks individuals who come forward to fill out a questionnaire. One of the questions asked would-be evaluators to define their place on this political spectrum by putting an X on a scale that ranges from radically right to radically left. Using this and other information, a group of people who have served on a recent committee select the new evaluation committee members. The new committee members receives some training before it goes to work. Oh, sorry, the new committee receives some training before it goes to work. It then reviews background material on the candidates, including press clippings and the candidates' resumes. The committee also checks the references supplied by the candidates. Next, the committee interviews each candidate for half an hour with standard set of revealing questions. Following the interview, committee members score candidates for knowledge. Candidates should be well-versed in major issues involvement, 
candidates should have community record, a record of community service and be familiar with their constituents. Character, char candidates should be free of questionable character attributes and questionable history and effectiveness. Incumbents should have, have a proven record of accomplishments in office. Challengers should be able to demonstrate success in past endeavors. A candidate evaluation project is a good way to sidestep the influence of money and to elect better people to public office, but it requires resources and a credible organization to sponsor the project. Little known organizations might be able to pull off a successful project by getting a media partner and a number of respected people to oversee the process. This rating process resembles a hiring process and suffers from some of its limitations. To get a better sense of how well incumbents are performing, an evaluation committee might also incorporate the views of council watchers, people who go to council meetings or watch them on TV, and the confidential views of city staff. Too often, incumbents get lazy and don't do their homework. They don't bother to read staff reports or take the time to talk to local residents. Council watchers and city staff should be able to spot lazy and sometimes crazy incumbents who should not be reelected. That is rating candidates for public office. I know that there are organizations like the Sierra Club that also provide uh, an evaluation process. A lot of times newspaper editorials, editorial boards will um, interview candidates and sometimes they endorse a candidate. Having a group that is outside of the newspaper or a specific interest group like the Sierra Club seems like a great idea. And maybe it's something that you wanna do for your community. With an organization like Sierra Club, when I ran for office, I had to submit a fairly lengthy application to them, which they then evaluated and decided whether or not I could use the endorsed by the Sierra Club on my campaign documents or on my campaign literature, which I did get their endorsement and I did use, and I suspect that it helped me get more votes, especially in the area where I was a candidate. A process like this from Seattle, the Municipal League, which has done this since 1911, seems like a good way to make sure there's a more egalitarian look at the candidates rather than just people who are already in power. How to Use Voting Records by Charles Dobson. Most people don't pay much attention to what's happening at City Hall. A few might read an occasional newspaper article that touches on a particular issue. At the polls, some base vote their party affiliation or name recognition, many choose not to vote at all. The lack of any substantive basis for choosing one candidate over another ruins the electoral process. 
most people prefer to base their vote on performance. A survey of how city councilors have voted on key issues helps people evaluate the performance of incumbents who are running again. Incumbents have a great advantage over challengers because of name recognition, even when they have performed poorly. A survey of key votes can prevent incumbents who have performed poorly from being reelected. A great example of a record, a voting record survey comes from the city of Gulf, Ontario. Citizens used voting records to take over city council in the November 2006 elections. And a link to that survey is here in the article. I will click to it after I finish the article. One of the people who was central to the campaign explained how the Gulf Civic League made sure voters saw the survey results. We printed the PDF and distributed them at mayoral forums and at all candidate meetings tailored for each ward event. We connected with the Central Students Association at the university and distributed them there, along with funding a campus-oriented campaign. Student vote increased by 120%. A local rep theater printed them in their publication that goes to 35,000 homes, and we promoted the website version through our bi-weekly e-bulletin with a readership of approximately 4,000. We provided media releases to the two local papers, and the records ended up being referenced in articles throughout the final two weeks of the election. In the days prior to the election, we were still receiving calls from people wanting to deliver them, two to three hundred at a time, in their neighborhood. The voting records stand out as the item that informed people in a way they'd never experienced. Our ebook in detailing issues in common language was a big hit. A survey of voting records will only affect the outcome of an election if the organization behind it is trusted. A trusted organization will be active between elections. It will act in the public interest rather than in the narrow interest of its members, and it will include trusted public citizens as visible participants. A trusted organization will also be one that takes time to understand the complexities around each vote that it includes in its survey. What may seem to be an untenable position at first blush may turn out to be common sense with more understanding of the situation. The voting record survey, this is a voting record of the incumbents that are running for re-election. Interesting. It's very interesting. Wow. There's a lot of questions there. So let's see. These 10 value, the, the Gulf Civic League is a group of citizens working to make sure Gulf gets the capable, honest leadership we deserve. These 10 values direct our work. Greater voter turnout, genuine public consultation on major issues, better city planning and design to manage growth, clean economic development to offset residential taxes and provide jobs, 
complete cost-benefit analysis of major decisions and investments, less red tape for local businesses, ecological awareness and protection of the highest standard, a strong commitment to culture and the arts, heritage identification and preservation, and quality and beauty as civic priorities. So there's a, a whole page that summarizes the major decisions. And here is, here's our, here's the specific, and then they noted how each person voted. So the first one is, uh, the motion is post office negotiate to purchase. Somebody motioned to terminate discussions with Canada Post on acquisition of the Wyndham Street Post Office building. And then it gives the results. New City Hall, abandon low cost plan. Growth, allow industry to pay lower share. The Gulf Civic League believes that growth is not paying for itself. A greater industrial contribution to tax funded infrastructure costs is needed. The industrial sector should pay its own growth related water and wastewater costs. And then it lists all of the candidates. This particular motion was defeated. This is a quite detailed, must have taken them quite a bit of time. But is a very interesting way to approach. And for federal elections in the states, there's organizations like um, there's an organization that supports the ERA, and they rate the votes of of Congress people uh, based on how they vote equality. Um, the NRA does a grading and and vote tally as do most environmental organizations. <clears throat> Boy, wouldn't it be great to have one of these for either judges that are on the ballot and for your city councilors. Because a revolution cannot happen without action there are all sorts of activities you can get involved in and a revolution just means change. You're not gonna change everything overnight, but changing one thing a day, you sure can change a lot in a year. This list of community building activities only hints at the possibilities for community building at the local level. Other possibilities are limited only by your imagination. Consider joining or creating a garden club that exchanges cuttings and advice, or maybe seeds. A local traffic committee to promote traffic calming. A parks committee. A walking group a fix-it group that offers weekly repair drop-in, a community orchestra, a car cooperative for people who do not own cars, a community cafe or local hangout, a local barter, L-E-T-S or currency system, a neighborhood brewing circle to batch brew beer or wine, 
a local baseball, volleyball, road hockey, bocce ball team, a seniors club that arranges excursions, a local historical society that unearths local history. I know they're trying to do this here in Oakland by getting folks who live in historical homes to give their versions of the histories. A preservation society that protects old buildings, a supper club that eats its way around a circuit of local restaurants, and that's a good way to be supporting your local restaurants. My mother-in-law had her Friday lunch group and they went to a different restaurant every Friday. A kids' sports group, a local jogging exercise or Tai Chi club, a local food co-op that provides inexpensive food, a farmer's market, a volunteer group of providing after-hour services to those in need, a local theater group, a local singing group, a neighborhood design panel that comments on new development, a local earthquake preparedness group, or a local welcoming committee for new residents. Again, this list of activities is short and is only limited by what we could be doing together is only limited by your imagination. In part eight tomorrow, we'll be talking about <clears throat> salons, study circles, and discussion groups, kind of talk about what those are and why they can be a good way to ask for revolution. Because as this beginning of this series posits, you don't get a revolution if you don't ask for one. This special series of the Citizen's Handbook, which is at citizenshandbook.org, will continue each day at 10.30 a.m. Pacific time, followed by a discussion group, the after party crowdsourcing revolution on call-in. Go to the call-in app and subscribe today. Thanks for being here.